0: Shalom Aleichem, and thank you everybody for coming, a pleasure to be back, pleasure to be back here on the fifth night of Hanukkah, Seattle Hashmaya, and our shul, I want to welcome all the guests who are here, we have our friend Dovi Hartman, and we have my son Dovi Teberg who's here, and all our regulars, our friend Afalus here, and our friend Dubi, who just got off the plane from Havana, Cuba, Havana, Cuba. <laughs> made sure to be back in time for this year, so thank you Dovi, and, and thank you Ari for taking care of the food, and Everybody else who is here, really appreciate it. Our friend David is able to make it this week. We're very happy to see him. Yash everybody to everybody, be Ebencht. And of course, thank you for anybody who's listening on the podcast as well. It's very much appreciated. B'Siyadet D'Shmayyot. We're up to, as we said, the fifth night of Chanukah, and also Parshas Miketz. And there's a Remez of Hanukkah. And this Parsha, which almost every single year happens to be the Parsha that we read on Shabbos the Parshas Miketz. Buzak tells us that Yosef, when he's still in the uh, stage where he is playing himself as a hostile ruler to his brothers, and he doesn't identify himself, so as we know, he takes Shimon into captivity, and eventually they come back with Binyamin as he demands. Buzak tells us that when they came back, so Yosef tells to the person who's in charge of his house, which Khazal tells us was Manasha, his son, he says to him, Bring them to the house. tevach v'hochein. Prepare for them a special meal. Ki iti anoshim If you look at the words utzvoyach tevach v'hochein, tevach the last word, the last letter is a ches. V'hochein. You combine the letters vav hey together. It spells the word Chanukah. This is from the Shultan Giboyim, which is quoted in the Mordechai, one of the Rishonim who brings this. Remez in addition, the words. Tevach v'Hochen is gematria forty four, which is of course the amount of candles, the total amount of candles that we light throughout the eight nights of Hanukkah. So a remez for the Hanukkah in this week's parsha. But what exactly is the connection between these words of preparing the food and Hanukkah? What's the shayichas? And really, talking about the yomtiv of Hanukkah, really, it's a yomtiv more than any other that's shrouded in mystery. There's very little that we know about what happened and what is it exactly that we're celebrating. We know, of course, as kids were told that we celebrate the Neis Pach Hashem, that the Kehanim came to the Beis Migdash and they couldn't find, after they, they rededicated <coughs> it, after recapturing it from the Yivanim, they couldn't find any oil that was tar until they found the Neis Pach Hashem and they, they found that one flask of oil that still had the chayism of the Kohen Gadol, and they used it, and they lived for eight days, even though it was only enough for one night. But, what is the source for that? That actually is brought down in a Gemara and Masakta Shabbos, a b'raisa, Tanur HaBonon. my Chanukah, Tanur HaBonon, b'chafei bekislev. Yaymei the Chanukah, and the b'raisa continues, Kishenichnesu haYivanim laHeychel, timu kolashmanim, ucheshegavah malchus veischa Shmoinoi, Okay, so this is a bris on a Shabbos, and it continues. But as we all know, the famous question is Alanism, which we say by davening, <coughs> by benching. There is no mention of the Neis of the Pachah Shemun, and all it talks about is the Melchama that the Chashmoynoim fought, in which they overcame the Yevanim who were much greater than them, much stronger than them. Rabbi bead and uh Batayim and so on. So which one is it? Is it the nace of the Melchama? Is it the nace of the Pach Hashem? And why is it that over here we're highlighting the nace of the Pach Hashem, and over here we're highlighting the Melchama? And Bechla, why is so little written about this in Chazal? You know, Purim has its own Masechta. Megillah. Hanukkah, really, very, very little. If you look at these sources in Chazal, hardly mentioned. We mentioned this price in Masechta Shabbos. There's also Mishnais throughout Shas that give Ramazim to Hanukkah. You know, they talk about it, but really as a side thing. So, for example, Mishnah Rosh Hashanah says that at the time of the Baisa when they used to do Kiddush HaKidash, so uh, certain months they they would make sure to send out the Edim to Chutz as well because they had to be sure to know when Yahweh is, so they can uh, know when to uh, set the Yom Taivim. And it says one of the months that they did it was Kislev because of Chanukah. Yes. And there are other Yom Tovim, other other places as well that there's like references, small references, but it's really, really very little. And finally, even if we say the Chanukah is about the Pachashemim, okay, but what about the Muhammad? Why aren't we celebrating that? So these are all big questions, and many s'farm talk about them. And many historians talk about it. But I try to you know, read up on this and, and try to get a, a clear picture of what exactly is happening here. Because, you know, like, like as we said, you know, there's so little that we know. But yet, if we look in the sources, whether it's historical ones or in Chazal and other places, we're able to get a picture together of what exactly is happening. And Mimele, that gives us an idea of what Hanukkah is all about. So we know, uh, coming up in, in less than two weeks, is going to be a of And one of the reasons that we fast is brought down also, we mentioned this in the Slichas of Asar because there was something that happened uh, at the time of the second base of Middash, and that was the Tamai HaMelech, who was also one of the Greek kings, and he was a melech in, in, in Egypt. He made uh, 72 hachamim come into a room, uh, separate rooms really, and he told them, I want you to translate the Torah into Greek. And Chazal viewed this as a very, very bad thing. In mela, there were goyzeratiness. Now, this happened happens to be it happened on Ches Teves, which is two days before. But being that we can't fast, you know, so frequently, so they kind of merged it together with Asar Tevis. So, what was this idea? Why, why did the goyisher king want to tra- celebrate it? Uh, translate the Tyra into Greek. What does he have with the Tyra? So, we have to look back really at the history of the Greek Empire. We know that Kali went into the Churban into, into Gullus the first time around. It was Nebuchadnezzar, was the king of Babylon, and we know as we read in the Megillah that that merged into Madai and Paras. Those were the empires at the time. But, towards the end of those empires, there was another empire that emerged, that overtook them. And that was the Greek Empire. We know there were two famous philosophers, Plato and Aristotle, who uh, really made an impact on, on the world till this very day. They were great people in their own way. And, One of their Talmidim, one of Aristotle's Talmidim, it was a man named Alexander, Alexander the Great. And he was the one who really established the Greek Empire. Conquered, took over the Persian Empire, destroyed them, and he conquered pretty much the entire world. And being that he was a Talmud of these great philosophers, so he lived by their ideals. And what was their ideals? Plato, Aristotle. and In a certain way, they were people who were innovative and who really, really introduced some wonderful chidushim into the world. One of the things was that a man really is here for a purpose. He's not just here for no reason. There's a reason that a person is put into the world. Part of the reason is to utilize the world, to make it a better place. And also the world is a very deep place. There's a lot of wisdom that's hidden. There's science, there's medicine, there's physics, and all of these things need to be explored, and people have to learn it and live by it. And These were their their yosidas that they infused into the Greek culture. And Alexander took it, and he spread those ideas into the entire world, which he conquered. There's morals, there's values, you know, you have to be nice to your fellow humans, you have to respect other humans, there's ethics, you know, things which certainly have uh, uh, you know good, 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 uh, a good ta'elis. And they were able to take that culture, Alexander really primarily, and really spread it throughout the entire world. And it, this happened in Eretz Yisrael as well because they conquered Eretz Yisrael eventually too. We know the famous story, Alexander the Great comes to Jerusalem, and he meets Shimon HaTzadik and he bows down to him. So there was definitely a strong Greek connection that seeped into the culture in Eretz And it started off as a good thing, as we said. The like Greek, Greeks originally were like just the opposite. They were with no morals. They had that's exactly, they, yeah, 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 the reason yeah. they wanted to yeah. take we're gonna away get, We're going to get to that. And, we're going to get, yeah. get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so we find in Pirkei Avis there's a tana, one of the tanaimis, called Antignosh Soho. Now, Antigonus is a Greek name. Because the Greek culture was so seeped into the, uh, the, uh, the everyday life, that even the Chachamim themselves, they took upon themselves Greek names. We know, of course, Alexander was a name that still exists till today, a very famous name, mostly in the Hasidic community. But it's also because they named, the, they named the children after Alexander the Great, because he was somebody that they looked up to. And really, Greek culture in and of itself, at least, at its basic idea that the world is meant to be explored and meant to be utilized for higher purposes is something that really can stint very well with the Torah lifestyle. And it's actually Mephari pasuk and Parshish Nayach. Nayach, when he, when he has that incident after he comes out of the Teva, he says, Yaftali kim li Yefes, the to should bless Yefes and give him the beauty v'yishkrim ba'olei One of the children of Yefes was Yavan. So Greek comes from Yefes, who was one of the sons of Noach. And Noach says to him, he gives him the guidelines of the proper way of how Yevon is meant to be used. <speaking Spanish> you should use your talents. You should use your beauty. And the values that you appreciate and that you're able to identify and explore in the world. But there's a condition. <speaking Spanish> it's got to be deeply grounded and rooted in the tents of shame. And when you have those two coming together, on the one hand, the chachma and on the other hand, the Torah, it's a beautiful thing. And it started off in such a way, as we said, even the Chachamim, they spoke Greek, and they identified in certain ways with the, with the uh, idea that we can make the world a better place. The problem was that this concept of very quickly started to erode. And people forgot about that second part of the pasuk. And they just started focusing on the kim yefes, that they just fell in love with the Greek culture. Not as a means to better their but as a means in and of itself. And here, like David mentioned, <clears throat> Greek culture is very different than the Yiddish culture because even though we also live by the ideals that the world is meant to be utilized and of course we're supposed to use this world and the Ebeshter gave it to us to enjoy it. But it's all meant to be as a hechitimzi. It's all meant to be as a means to better serve the divine shalom. You take the physical and you elevate it to serve you for the spiritual. And that's a beautiful life. But the Greeks didn't do that. As far as they were concerned, like David said, it's all about the here and the now. It's all about the Gashmias in and of itself. For example, one of the things that they really really valued and was really really as far as they were concerned was the um the glory of creation was the human body. The human body, especially the male body. To them, this is really the ideal of creation. That we have such a thing, and, and they believe that you know there was a God that created the world. He created the human body, and it's a beautiful thing. And male of the human body has to be glorified, and it has to be admired. One of the things that they established were the gymnasiums, where men would go and fight, uh, you know, excuse me, expression, they weren't wearing any clothing, and this was their way of showing off the uh, the glory of the human body. This today evolved, of course, into sports as we know it today. The Greeks also believed that even though the the you know they believed that there was one god that created the world, but they felt that the forces of how the world is run and, and all those after creation that he left off. You know, he's not involved in the day today. Instead, he left different forces, and as they saw, like, different gods, that they're in charge of the different forces. You know, so there's a god of, of, of passion, and there's a god of, of morality, and there's this, and there's that, different names that they attributed to them, to each one. And in Mela, they felt that, you know, even though, again, the world was created with a passion, with an ideal, but how exactly that ideal is meant to kind of shape out there's no real one way because you have so many different forces in the world and each force really is a legitimate force that has to be reckoned with. And so they said, you know, there's no one moral or value that you have to follow but rather there could be many. There could be many ideals. As we said, the human body is an ideal and many other things. And this, of course, is contrary to the Torah Koffer. Now what are you going to do when you have this type of culture that's having an influence on the day-to-day life of Klai Yisrael? It's a very, very big struggle and unfortunately, many, many people, the majority of Klai Yisrael, they fell into that trap of forgetting the end of the Pasuk of Yishkrim Ba'aleh Sheyman and instead only focusing on the Yaftalit Kim as taking the physical aspects of Greek culture, and forgetting of that it's meant to be a clea to better your service to the Rebbeinah And this happened, you know, especially among the people who lived in the, in the cities, the people who were, you know, the more uh, powerful people, including the Kehanim. Many of the Kehanim they themselves became Hellenized. They became Isyavnim. And uh, the history books say that, you know, they, they would they themselves, the Kehanim, believe it or not, you know, they would go after, you know, the, after serving in the base of Mikdash, they would go to the gymnasiums either to watch the sports or to themselves engage in these types of sports. And eventually, it took over completely until it reached the point where they said, you know, really, even though, you know, uh, you know, again, you know, Judaism is a nice idea, but, you know, all the rituals and all the rules, those are not things that we have to follow. It's meant to make the world a better place to be. That's really what it's all about. That's what Judaism is all about. Today, people use... The concept, tikkun olam. The world is meant to be a better place. And if you have tikkun olam, you can throw out all the rules. Everything else is not so important. You can also be a good person, a moral person, you know, as, as you interpret it, as you understand it. And that's all. And they set up all these, uh, these uh, in the Beis Hamikdash itself, they set up uh, uh, idols. Because they said, you know, the Beis Hamikdash itself, you know, it's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful place. But as far as Karbanis, for Karbanas, we don't need that part. And now you have a new type of Jew. A new type of Jew which didn't exist up until that point. Even though we know that, of course, throughout the entire history of Klai there were people who, you know, didn't follow the rules as, as they were supposed to. But it was never meant as an ideal. You know, there was never a movement to say, no, this is how a Yid is supposed to be. Up until the Mishyavnik came along. And they made up, this, so to speak, this new religion. This really is how we're supposed to live our life just like our Greek friends. And as it became more and more and more, so it reached the point where it reached the point where the two uh, the two factions, you know, they were rubbing off so much against each other. and the Hellenized Jews, they called in Antiochus the king and they said, you know you got to make some order here. We want to be in, tro- in, in control of control the base of We want to have the Kuna Gedailah. And he came, and that's when he decreed those Gezeros that David just mentioned. No Shabbos, no brismila, and no Rashkhirish. What is the idea of these, of these particular three mitzvahs? We mentioned that the Greeks they idolized the body. A brismila they felt it's a mutilation to the body. It takes away from the perfection. A brismila also shows that a person is supposed to control himself. You don't just follow your passions, and as far as they were concerned, passion is a good thing. It's meant to be followed. Shabbos kind of indicates that the Rabbeinu Shalom is still in charge, even though he created the world in seven days, but he's still creating it every single day. And as we said, they didn't believe in that idea anymore. They said, no, Hashem created the world and he left it to us humans to take it from there. And the idea of a similar, you know, where you can uh, take a regular day and transform it into Kedusha, was something that they really, really could not identify with. Because they felt that this world is where it's at and nothing else. So things came to a head. They made this Gezerah, and many, many thousands of Yidin were killed. Probably tens of thousands of Yidin were killed by the, by the Greek soldiers who enforced these rules. There's a place called Modian. Today there's uh, Hashem, many Yidin living there. At the time, that's where the Chashmoyneim were living. This was a family of Kohanim. One of their ancestors was Yochanim Koyan Gadol. the was the Koyan And... They're trying to enforce, the Greeks are trying to enforce, and the Hellenized Jews are trying to enforce sacrificing to their gods. So they set up a mizbech in the center of the city. And a Greek Greek, um, diplomat, bureaucrat, he comes, and he says, come on, Jews, come. Let's go sacrifice to this god. His name is Zeus. Let's go sacrifice a korban to him. And the korban that they're going to bring is a pig. Yeah. And so many Jews are gathering there. And he, he says, you know, I don't want to do it. I want you to do it. So he calls one of the Hellenist Jews, a, mis, a misyavin. You come and lead us. And he's very proud of himself. You know, he's dressed like a guy. He's acting like a guy. He comes, and he's about to slaughter this pig on this misbeach, for Zeus, the god, the Greek god. And standing there is Matusio, and he says, enough is enough. And as we all know, the story he takes out his sword, stabs the guy, stabs the, the misyavin, kills him. He kills the, the Greek official probably kills a few other people who are standing there as well <laughs> and he makes this declaration Eli. That's and right. that's how the battle starts what's that uh, stands for, for yeah. yeah 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 and what happened was eventually this morphed really into a real war where they're killing their fellow hidden who were totally hellenized and hand in hand they're also killing the greeks and after Matasio died, he was already an old man by then, so his son Yehuda, Yehuda maccabee over. Yehuda was a, a brilliant strategist, uh, uh, somebody who, who, who was the first one to initiate what's known today as guerrilla warfare, where, you know, when, you, when you're not able to defeat an army in the conventional way because you don't have the same means like you do, so instead you beat them in the small ways. What they would do was they would sneak in, let's say, middle of the night when the army wasn't suspected. They would kill a bunch of Greeks, and then they would run away. Or they would have the Greeks chase them and they would go from the back and attack them in the other way. All kinds of, of these kind of tactics. Eventually reach the point, this is after the death, death of Antiochus, where the Greeks said enough is enough. You know, we can't deal with this anymore. We'll let you service the Ribina Shalom if you want them. And that's when the nace of Hanukkah happens. You know, they come to the base of and as we know the Nase Pachasheman happens. So Chazal now are looking at these Nisim, and they're saying, you know, what is the main thing here that's happening? On the one hand, you know, the, the battles is a great thing, but what is the point of these battles? What is the point? First of all, it's Jews against Jews for the most part, it's not something that we want to celebrate. And second of all, the battles is just the Hechatimsi. This is not really, there was, this, this was not about having an independent state, even though eventually that's what happened. This was about being able to serve the Rebbeinah Shalalam as Yidin. And so in Meila they established Hanukkah as such a Yom tev, That what we see in the that the light in the menorah lights up the dark. And the next Pach Hashemin is telling us that the Rebbeinah Shalaylam says to us, if you're going to be Meister Nefesh for my ideals and you're going to remember who you are and what you are, then I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to make sure that you're going to be able to serve me as kosher yidin is meant to be. So even though the nace of the Muhammad is a great nace, and without it the Pach Hashem couldn't have happened, but it was all heichitimzi for this point, that we should be able to separate ourselves from the Greek culture and live lives as erlich yidin as the Rebbeinah Sholeil wants us to do. And in reality, what eventually happened was that, as we know, the Jewish state eventually was destroyed, it took a few hundred years, but the Romans came and they destroyed it. How it happened? We know Sinashinam, because there was too much infighting, nobody got along with each other, and they eventually made the mistake of calling in the Romans to help them. You know, all kinds of lessons that we learn, but that's not for now. The one nays that endured was the Nespach Hashemon, which symbolizes the purity of Klay Yisro, and the purity of the Kedusha when it's untamed by the Kirchhasatuma. And that endures till this very day. And so. When we look at Hanukkah, we have to ingrain in ourselves the lessons that it's meant to teach us. You know, today, this battle hasn't stopped. It's very, very fascinating that you look at what's <coughs> happening in the world today. The, we mamish see a reenactment in a certain sense of this battle, because the liberals, many unfortunately who are Jews themselves... They have taken the ideals of Greek, and they tried to implement it into the world. If you walk here into Target, a few blocks away, you'll see. Men's bathroom, ladies' bathroom, and an all-gender bathroom. Now, what is the meaning of this? Is that they're saying that the human body is meant to be glorified, and I can use it in any way I want because this is the ideal of the world. The human body, the same thing we saw in the summer. When the Supreme Court came out with a rule against abortion, the same thing. It's my body and I can do whatever I want. This is Greek. This is the Greek culture and the Greek ideals that the human body is at the center of the universe and nothing else. And they don't realize and they don't understand and they don't believe that the body was given to us by the Rabbi Nishalayim. And if he made that person a man, that's who you are, and vice versa as well, and there's nothing else. They don't believe it. There's no God. There's the God is me, the God is the body. And I can do with it whatever I want. And this battle continues until this very day. And even though, Baruch Hashem, we're all Ehrlicha from Yidin, but we have to realize that the voice of Greek seep in, and we have to fight it in our own little way. A fellow walked in here on a Shabbos afternoon, and he's a good guy. He was wearing a scarf. And Chaim pointed out that that scarf is worth $700. I don't remember what it was. Was it Gucci or Versace? Oh, it one of those names, right? Now why in the world does an Eilach have to wear a $700 scarf? Where in the world is this coming from? This is Yavon, Rabbi Yisai. And we have to make sure that we're staying away from oven. A Yid does not have to have a $700 scarf even if you're a millionaire or a billionaire and certainly if you're a regular guy. That's why? So everybody should look at you and say, well, look at your beautiful scarf. You can pick up a wonderful scarf that's going to keep you warm on a cold winter night. $50. At Macy's, and you're going to be warm. And all of those guys finally soil. soil. Mm-hmm. That's also true. That, that's that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's unfortunately, 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 that's true. Hugo Hugo Boss was a good friend of Hitler. All the yeah. Yeah. Basically, the Jews always support us. You open up the magazine, <laughs> you'll see advertisements, custom-made bekkishes custom-made bekashas, and you'll see a picture of a nice chasidah shayid, a fine chasidah shayid. He has a strimal, he has a beard and payas, and he has a beautiful custom bekashah, which cost him $2,000. Why in the world does a chasidah shayid need to have a custom bekashah? This is Yavan. This is the culture of Yavan. And again, there's nothing wrong with dressing nicely. We should dress nicely, but it has to be batamt. Yavtun leyefes. We should utilize this world. Let's not forget the priorities. Let's not forget it's all grounded. Of course, we're dressing Shabbos, Dick. It's a means to honor the Shabbos. It's a means to honor the Rebbeinah Shaloylam. Uh, not halilah, A means to honor the Guv. He can do it in his house. But he wants to show up. He, exactly. He show, yeah. Do yeah. It, yeah. it in your house. Dress yeah. whatever you want in your house. <laughs> and we got to be careful and make sure that the, the, uh, the uh, Yavan doesn't take over our life. And it's very, very, uh, very, very difficult in 2020-2022. In with the outside world, as we said, really, really fighting this war very, very strongly. It's in the media. (laughs) It's wherever you go, as we said. The department stores, someone told me he saw that in the airport as well. So it's everywhere. We have to stand strong and say, no, we're different. We're going to stand up for our values. And we're not going to let the Greek culture seep in. And that's the connection to the parsha that Yosef HaTzadik is telling to his son, Menasheh. The Yidin, the way they approach food is different from the Goyim. We prepare our food. We shecht it. We do it in a kosher way. And we eat like Yidin, not like Goyim. I mentioned this story many times. my Bender was in the airport in Los Angeles. And he sees a commotion. What's happening? There's a famous actor. He just landed. Everybody's surrounding him. They want to get his autograph. They want to get a selfie. The guy walks into one of the stores over there, one of the restaurants, and he orders a, a hot dog, like a foot-long hot dog, and he says to the, uh, the guy behind the counter, put on some relish. Rabbi Bender is watching this whole scene, and he says to him, more, and more, and more. And then he watches as he takes this hot dog, and he stuffs it into his mouth, while standing. <laughs> says Rabbi Bender, this is the great guy that everybody idolizes and wants his picture. A five-year-old child, and we have Dovi here, right? Dovi wouldn't eat like that. He would wash, he would make a bracha, he would sit down. Imagine the difference. We're different. We're better than them let's not learn from the Goyim let's make sure to have the separation to have the dividers the Havdalah we're different and there's nothing again and we could appreciate their culture and we could take the good things but we have to make sure that it's rooted only for the purpose of becoming better Yidin the concept of sports as well also we mentioned it came from Greek there's nothing wrong with following sports as long as it doesn't take over our mind person shouldn't go, around, shouldn't go around all day memorizing stats and players and all this. That's not the Yiddish way. That's not the Yiddish way. We have better people to look up to. These aren't the people. These aren't our, our, our role models and the people that we should be idolizing. And in Ayla, the more we're able to internalize that. What's that? They're actually racist. <laughs> For sure. That's true as well. Yes. Racist. And they hate that's us. That's but even, even if you're, you're willing to overlook all that. But don't make it the focal point of your life. Let it be something, you know, some entertainment every now and then. Okay, because to eight. You know, a way to, to relax, to wind, to wind down. But to make it into a big part of our life? That's the aft that's the FS. That's the oven. We don't want that. The Naviminsky Urbas, that's how I used to say. You know, imagine you have a car and there are people sitting in the car. That's life as well. We're all in the car, we're all heading to, a, to one direction. The question is, who's in the driver's seat? Who's driving? Who's controlling the car? We think about it. Our life, we're also we're, we're, You know we're, we're traveling through life. Who's controlling the, the, the car? Is it the Yetzirah? Is it the Ayailon Or is it the Yeitzza type? Is it the Torah that's the driving force? And when we live life in such a way, we are following the derech of the Hasshmanaim, and we're utilizing this nase of Hanukkah in the way it's meant to be. And we're taking those lights of Hanukkah and saying, yes, they're still lighting till this very day. Ta'gad Ab should help. The light of Chanukah should light up our life each and every day of the year, and we should all live a life of Kiddush Hashem, of Mika Maicha, by Elohim Hashem, Shabbos and the first day of Chanukah. We say, "I'm uh, a Mahamah." Every generation, we have constant battle. It's about the, yeah. the Mahamah. We have to each and every we have to fight for Hashem. Yeah. That's yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Our shot. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will shut all this.